Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, Cork TD introduces an aerobic digestion bill to the Doyle, anger over prime Irish beef being sold for a euro less than the UK product, plus several other topics, but first, ploughing. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme is Caroline Jennings, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Caroline, welcome to the programme. You have details of a planned ploughing match. We hope it will go ahead, but insofar as we can, we're trusting it will go ahead unless the weather interferes. So details of that proposed ploughing match. Thank you, John. Uh, Kilbritton Ploughing Association will hold their 39th annual ploughing match weather permitting on tomorrow Sunday the 29th of October on the lands of Dennis and Mary Murphy Farnagark, Kilbritton P72F968 Ploughing will commence at 10.30am sharp and entries are to be with Rachel on 087-624-6713 Now that number again 087-624-6713 Six seven one three, and they have to be in by six pm today, uh, Saturday, the twenty eighth of October. Now, on another bit of good news for the West Cork ploughing, um, last week, Ger Coakley, who qualified to represent Ireland in um, the world next year, um, went to Denmark to represent Ireland in the European Ploughing Championships, um, where he came home victorious and achieving uh, first place and. Uh, becoming the European champion. So we'd like to congratulate Ger on on doing so well and that's from all at the Cork West Ploughing Association. That's great, Caroline. And we congratulate Ger, of course, as well. Congratulations to Ger. Thank you very much indeed, Miss Caroline Jennings, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Okay, Dan. We are joined on the farm programme by Mr. Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Philip, you've uh, some ploughing results now for our listeners. That's right, John. Yeah, we had our um, fifth match in Watergrass Hill last Sunday and uh, we had a nice day and a nice crowd and a nice field. So these are the results from Watergrass Hill. Senior Conventional, first, Morris Walsh, second, Michael Linhan, and third, Michael Hannon. Under 28, first, Jamie Hayes. The Farmer Race, first, Orla Hayes. The Wakra, First, Jane Staker, and second, Stephen O'Connell. The three for the conventional, first, Matthew Corkley. The vintage hydraulic, two for her. First, Tom Bozang. Second, Henry McGrath. And third, Phelan Cotter. And the single for her vintage, first, Trevor Fleming. And the Jack Royal Cup was presented to the overall senior man, which was Morris Walsh. So those are the results from Watergrass Hill. Now, the, the set-up at the minute, John, is that Bartholomew were hoping to go tomorrow, Sunday, but because of the weather forecast, they postponed it until they get a better forecast, and there's no actual provisional date even fixed at this point. So we'll have to wait until the weather improves a bit, and they'll be back on to us for Bartholomew. So there's three to go. Bartholomew... Bellyfield and go through. So we'll see what we can do or we'll see what weather throws up for the next couple of weeks. 
and we'll be back to you to let you know. That's all we can do at this stage, until have to be a major improvement in ground conditions and weather before there'll be any move again, I think. You have to take everything into consideration, the landowner and the conditions and the people travelling, ploughing and that, you know, everything. You, you just can't go in and mess a place up, yeah. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Thank you, Philip, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. Irish Cattle and Chief Farmers Association National President Mr Dermot Kelleher said the government must now use the deferral of the RZLT residential zoned land tax to sort out what he calls the mess it had created whereby farmers were potentially being evicted from land they are farming. And he said, quote, no farmer can afford to pay a 3% annual tax on what he called an artificially inflated land value when all these people want to do is to be left alone to farm. Mr Kelleher said there are plenty of derelict sites, unused and underutilised properties in all of our cities and towns, as well as land being held by developers and other speculators without forcing farmers off the land that they're actually farming. The chairperson of the ICMSA's Livestock Committee, Mr Des Morrison, has asked farmers to note that the closing date for this year's applications for the National Dairy Beef Welfare Scheme is Wednesday 1st of November 2023. Mr Des Morrison said the scheme is gathering momentum, despite what he claimed was the government's chronic underfunding of a scheme which he was adamant had ticked all the boxes on sustainability, emissions, profitability and practicality. Mr Morrison pointed out the €20 Euro per eligible calf would be paid up to a maximum of 50 calves, giving applicants €1,000 provided the relatively straightforward terms of the scheme were adhered to and applications were made by Wednesday 1st of November. Ornua, the owner of Kerrygold, on 25th of October, unveiled a new €40 million Euro development at Kerrygold Park, its flagship butter production facility in Mitchellstown County, Cork, and the global home of Ireland's most successful food export. The major investment will underpin Kerrygold's plans to become Ireland's first €2 billion Euro food brand and support the rapidly growing global demand for Kerrygold, including in the USA, where it's number two butter brand. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, we have the Climate and Sustainability Officer. We have Mr Anthony Deneen, Chagas Coldrum McCroom in Cartercourt. Anthony, please confirm your own title and tell us something about the new signpost advisory programme that you are very much involved in. Yeah, John, you're, you're spot on. I suppose the, the, the full title is a bit long, but it's the Climate and Sustainability Advisor. And I suppose, look, it's... It's uh, myself, I'm involved uh, now in the signpost advisory programme. And look, this is a, a new programme uh, that has been set up uh, by Chavis. So it's the target of the programme to support farmers uh, uh, in, 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 in supporting actions to reduce down greenhouse gases on their own farms. It's a new programme, John, uh, a new public good programme. Uh, available to all farmers, both clients and non-clients, is available to all farmers and there's no, no charge for this service. Um, but I suppose the, the, this signpost advisory is building on the network of signpost demonstration farms that have been set up over the last couple of years and aims to provide uh, advisory, training, support to farmers uh, to, to select and implement actions on their own farms that, will, uh, that, that are appropriate to their own farms and will have an impact on their own farms. 
Um, I, I suppose the overall uh, aim of, of, of the programme is to get farmers to adopt uh, new and existing technologies that reduce down greenhouse gases. We, we uh, as, as a sector in the agricultural sector, have a 25% uh, target to reduce down uh, our emissions. And I suppose this imposed advisory programme is to, is to try to achieve that uh, by 2030, while maintaining farm profitability on, on farms. For anyone who's not in the signpost advisory programme as yet, tell people how they can get involved. And yeah. uh, just to outline uh, the top things it would involve for a farmer who wants to commit himself and get involved. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I thought firstly, trying to farmers need to, to register for, for the new signpost advisory programme, um, I, I suppose, in, in Cork West. Um, region, I suppose there are two uh, Climate and Sustainability Advisors, uh, John Crowley in Planet Hilti and myself, Anthony Deneen, and I suppose in the Cork East region, uh, Brendan Smithy and Liz Duffley are there. So look, if you want to register, I suppose either contact uh, your own local office and they will direct you from there and, and get an application form out to you. Or alternatively, for people that you can go online, just uh, type in Science Post Advisory and you can, uh, you can register uh, online there as well, like you know. Um, I suppose part of the South Post Advisory Programme is, 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 is establishing, and very important for farmers, establish a baseline assessment of, 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 of what's happening currently on farm. And, and then I suppose there is a new computer programme, AgNav, which has been developed by, uh, in collaboration between Chalice, ICBF and Bordier. Uh, and basically this programme will allow farmers to, to see uh, their own carbon emissions and this is the know your number part of the signpost advisory service, but to, it, 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 it's very important to us for, for farmers uh, to know what their own carbon emissions are and, and then what actions can they take on farm to, to, to reduce down those. Um, I suppose actions uh, have to be obviously appropriate for your own farm, so you develop uh, an action plan uh, tailored for, 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 for each farmer. Um, and, and, and select them that so they can reduce those greenhouse gases on their own farm. How long will the programme run for putting into effect all the things that farmers are being asked to do to play their part in keeping climate somewhat under control? Uh, Travis want to uh, register us uh, 10,000 farmers nationally each year uh, and have to, to get uh, 50,000 farmers participating in this programme between now and 2030. So 2030 is 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 our is our target to reduce down to 25 percent. Um, so look, 50,000 farmers between now and 2030. Um, uh, the participation in the program will run for for three years, and, and for the three-year program, farmers will be supported um, and, and help them to adopt the, the key technologies that have been identified as appropriate for their, for their own farms. Um, again, I so stress there's no charge for for, for this program. It's open to all farmers. Um, I suppose the country has a 25% uh, target to make and, and, and I suppose the program is there to support them uh, to, to, to implement actions on their own farms um, to, to, uh, and how they can reduce down the greenhouse gases on, on their own farms. Anyone, any farmer with a sense of responsibility will be very eager to contribute to the program and get involved in it. Now, you're saying that different actions are involved. You mentioned that farmers can choose appropriate actions for their own farm to reduce these uh, deadly greenhouse gases. Could you give us even a flavour of some of the type of actions available to farmers to reduce these greenhouse gases? Yeah, look, uh, very important. So, look, there's different actions for different enterprises because you 
you know, beef, sheep, dairying. So, so you, you, you will have slightly different actions. Some of them are, are, are the same across the, but, 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 but they are the different actions for different enterprises. Uh, I suppose, look, important, very important, the type of fertiliser, John. Um, I suppose the type of fertiliser um, is one of the actions that's, that's, that's applicable to, to most uh, farmers. And I suppose we'd encourage us the use of protect urea, uh, it will have a big role also in reducing down greenhouse gases. Um, some, farmers, some farmers have already taken on uh, the, 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 using protect urea already, and we'd encourage all farmers uh, to, to use protect urea next spring uh, as their nitrogen source. And this will, this will have a, a big impact on reducing down greenhouse gases on, on their own farm. Uh, look, I suppose existing technology, soil, soil fertility also has a big part to play, John, I suppose. Look, uh, there's nothing doing this but getting uh, phosphorus, getting potassium, getting lime status right uh, on, 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 the, on, on their own farms is very important. And, and this will help uh, release nutrients that are naturally in the ground to, 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 and will help farmers to reduce down their, their chemical nitrogen um, and reduce down their own fertilizer bill um, and in turn reduce the, the, the greenhouse gases uh, on, on their own farms. Uh, another one is supposed to know for is to help reduce down chemical nitrogen. Another action, I suppose, is the use uh, uh, and incorporation of clover in the the grassland swords. Um, This has been done already by some farmers very successfully, um, and I suppose by by fixing nitrogen um, and and nitrogen from the atmosphere, this will reduce down their their, their chemical nitrogen and reduce down the fertilizer bill. So it's a win-win situation um, for for, for, for those farmers. So we'd encourage uh, more farmers to incorporate clover as well. So look, there there there's twelve actions there, John, for each enterprise. Um, I mentioned I saw just three of them there, but the adoption of, of, of these existing technologies is very important to, to get us to reach uh, the target of, of 25% by, by 2030. Speaking to Mr Anthony Deneen, Chagas Climate and Sustainability Advisor, based at Chagas Codrum Macroom in the best of the county. Now, Anthony, already we did mention you know, basically how people can get involved, but would you please remind us again how farmers can actually register for the signpost advisory program yeah look uh, just just reminder again look uh, uh, online uh, type in signpost advisory program um, up will pop uh, a, a registration form and, and people can fill out their details there and we'll get their their, their names out, out from that online register so online signpost advisory or alternatively contact the local office, your own local chambers office ask them about the signpost advisory and we'll direct them uh, in the right direction and get an application form a written application form out to him um, encourage farmers first, you know, encourage everyone to get involved, uh, uh, get to try, try to reduce all these greenhouse gases, and importantly, on farms, try to keep profitability. Um, it's about sustainability as well, keeping profitability um, up, up on farms is very important, while reducing down greenhouse gases as well. There are some upcoming events. Would you please remind our listeners about these upcoming events, the dates, the venue, time, and uh, I suppose the topic really to see which sector would be most involved? Yeah, that's what this time of the year is. There the, are two um, important events coming up um, shortly, John. I suppose the first one, I suppose, uh, is, is, is for beef farmers, for dry stock farmers, uh, getting winter ready as well as the title we're putting this. It's a conjunction between Chavez and Animal Health Ireland. Um, and I suppose it's, it's being held on the farm of Pruncheus Creen in Clondraud Macroom, um, uh, Airport P12 in X37. 
P12 in X37, Punchiest Creed and Clon Road. Uh, topics, I suppose, getting winter ready. Topics the, the, that, that will be discussed uh, at the event, I suppose, housing and uh, housing requirements and space and so on for, 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 for animals inside the sheds. Uh, winter nutrition, very important. Um, for, 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 for the winter, for the, for the cattle, uh, and in health, um, so animal health, and, 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 and as well as farm safety, very important as well, John. So that event is on Thursday, the 2nd of November, 2 o'clock, Frontier Screen and Road, P12 in X37. Just turn up, 2 o'clock, the 2nd of, of November, that, that Thursday. You don't have to register, but if, if, if everyone's welcome. So Frontier Screen and Road, McCroom, P12 in X37. Another very important event. Yeah, there's an organic information event on in 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 Carn Martin for my um, next uh, the first the for next Wednesday the first of of November um, at half past seven in the evening. Um, I saw topics. I suppose look organics the the the, the, the new scheme and getting into organics. So um, the organic farming scheme itself go through that. Um, I suppose also look how how to make an application form for to get into the organic scheme. So what's involved there, and, and then I suppose uh, organics can integrate with other farming enterprises and schemes. So I suppose it, it's an important information event for farmers that are thinking about getting into organics. Um, it, it, it'd be very good one to make. So that's Wednesday, the first of November, half past seven, Con Martin for Mike. Thank you very much indeed, Miss Ramsey Deneen, Chagask, Climate and Sustainability Advisor, based at the Chagask Advisory Centre, Codrum McCroom in the West of the County. Thank you, Anthony, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks, Doug. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Fianna Fáil TD and Climate Action Biodiversity and Environment spokesperson, Mr Christopher O'Sullivan. Christopher, welcome to the programme. Now, you're a South West Cork TD, and recently you introduced a government bill aimed at developing an anaerobic digestion system for Ireland. This bill would have a national strategy. What's the background to this, Christopher? Thanks, John. Um, No, it's great to get an opportunity to talk about anaerobic digestion. The bill essentially creates a mechanism whereby uh, the Minister, the Minister for Environment in this uh, instance, could create a strategy or develop a strategy around the whole area uh, of anaerobic digestion. We don't have one at the moment. We don't have a roadmap. We're way behind the other European countries when it comes to anaerobic digestion. For example, uh, in Germany, there are 10,000 of these what we call AD plants. Uh, in Ireland, we have in around 15. So we're way behind the curve. And this legislation essentially is a mechanism whereby we can speed up that process and have a strategy in place. Now, these anaerobic digesters, what do these digesters use? What's the material to generate this energy? Yeah, so it's a really, really cool uh, process. As I said, a- anaerobic digestion, it's, it's a mouthful. We call them AD plants, but I mean, it, it is, it's hard to get to the mouth around and mind your head around. But it's a really, really cool process. And it's actually a, a simple process that, uh, you know, uh, I think everyone will understand when it's explained to them. Essentially what it is is that you have bacteria, okay? Um, and within these plants, bacteria breaks down organic matter. Um, and there's two byproducts out of that uh, process. Uh, one of the byproducts is a gas, um, a, a biogas, essentially, which can be then used to create energy. And the other byproduct, uh, importantly from an agricultural point of view, is a um, organic fertilizer, uh, a fertilizer which actually has much lower emissions than normal fertilizer that we'd uh, spread that we see spread on farms. So they're the byproducts. That's the process. It's quite simple, and that gas then is 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 captured in a, quite a big container. Um, the, the example I always use, uh, John, is the uh, AD plant that's closest to me here in Timaleague. 
um, the gas from that plant, it, it, it's a 500 kilowatt plant. It can uh, essentially power 1,000 homes. It generates electricity using the generator. That electricity can power 1,000 homes using a, a renewable gas, and that's really important here. Now, an actual more effective way of using it, where we see uh, what we see happening up the country in places like Kildare, is where this gas is actually pumped directly into the gas line. Therefore, there's no loss of energy, so it's actually an even more efficient way of, of doing this. And, and a third use for this gas is absolutely fantastic, the, the, the different uses for it. It can be also used in transport. Um, and I suppose the, the, the big environmental benefit from this process and capturing this gas and using it is that uh, obviously we're trying as a country to move away from fossil fuels. We know, know it's well documented that fossil fuels, that oil and diesel and these uh, different uh, fuels are harmful to the environment. That's well established. Um, so there's different ways we can move away from that. We're seeing a, a rollout of wind energy, for example. There's a lot of focus on wind energy and a lot of parts of Cork now have these uh, onshore wind, wind farms. We're also looking at offshore wind, but that's a long way down the line. Uh, we're looking at solar. We see a, a rollout of solar. Um, but these are just these are technologies that 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 are, that are very much in, in in their infancy. But this this renewable energy, this anaerobic digestion, is right in front of our noses. There's huge potential there from the agricultural sector in particular to create this. And I think it's something that it's high time that we tapped into. In Timmeleague, in the west of the county, there is a medium-sized anaerobic digester at AD in Timmeleague, taking in about um, 35,000 tonnes of waste material, converting this to a renewable gas. What's the reaction of farmers and people locally? Are there any negative sides to this at all? And what's the feedback so far to this? The feedback is mixed. Obviously, the, the, we're, we still need to get a lot of information out there about anaerobic digesters and how they work and how they could work. So I would say the feedback is mixed. Um, so, for example, I'll start with maybe some of the negative concerns that might be out there. Uh, people are, One of the, the inputs potentially into these anaerobic digesters is uh, silage, or grass. Uh, so there's a concern out there that any strategy would displace, uh, for example, dairy, beef or, or sheep farming, and that instead of, of using land for this traditional type of farming, that they'd use it for grass growing. I think it's really, really important in any strategy that there's safeguards built in so that this doesn't happen and that we don't have a situation where grass is grown specifically to feed these ADs. Um, but there is exciting work being done out there to solve this problem, whereby uh, grass can be grown as silage. The silage can then be treated in a, in a, in a condensing process. And what you're left then with is a, is a perfectly good uh, protein for, for cattle in, in terms of the grass that's left over. And there's also then this grass whey or the silage whey that's left over that can be fed into the anaerobic digester. So there's ways and means of, of addressing that. But there's also a positive reaction. And, and if I might touch on that, John. One of the big benefits that, that I see here is we you've covered at length, in fairness, uh, very well on your show, John, over the last number of weeks, the impact that uh, the reduction in the derogation limits is having particularly in West Cork. Cork in particular, Cork obviously, as we know, has the most derogation farmers. Um, and it's creating a, a lot of pressure on farmers. It's impacting farmers. It's impacting the viability of farms. It's really unfortunate uh, that we've had this uh, happen. But the, the, the thing is, in Tipperary, for example, where they also have derogation farmers, this reduction of limit to 220, while it's having an impact, it's not the same impact as here in Cork. Because, for example, in, uh, in Tipperary, they have quite a lot of tillage. And this gives farmers then an option in terms of um, uh, transporting their excess slurry. Unfortunately, down here in West Cork, as you well know, we don't have that same extent of tillage. So we have a problem there in terms of what we do with excess slurry so that we can meet that, that nitrates limit. Well, I think anaerobic digestion 
actually provides a solution here. And what we're seeing in Denmark is a perfect example. 33% of animal manure is now destined for anaerobic digesters. So it's a big um, way of solving that, that problem in terms of derogation. So I would love to see that if this is rolled out quickly, that it would put less pressure on uh, West Cork dairy farmers in particular to reduce cow numbers, which we do not want to see happen in Cork. As regards the creation of energy, how much energy would be created by one of these ADs? And in terms of houses, how much uh, would that help towards heating individual homes? Estimates done from the Timalee plant, and we, we haven't talked on the, the environmental benefits of this. The Timalee plant, which is a medium-sized AD, it's expected that it has saved a million tonnes of carbon over the course, uh, over the last 10 years. So if you scale that up, if you expanded AD outright across the country, you can imagine the emission savings. And I think it's important to say that those emission savings, especially when agriculture is the main input, they should be attributed to the agricultural sector in terms of meeting their, their limits. Uh, but directly to your question in terms of power, again, the, 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 the easy example I can give because it's closest to home is that Timberlake plant. It's a 500 kilowatt plant. And this is when it's, this is because it's using this gas, this biogas, to power a generator, which then generates electricity. And that um, electricity is sufficient to uh, power 1,000 homes. That is all the power needs of 1,000 homes, uh, including you know, your washing machines, your, your uh, shower, your appliances. Uh, so it, it's, it's quite effective. So you can see how it's, it's, it's an it's a, it's a, it's a excellent way um, of using the clean renewable energy to power homes and therefore kind of weaning us off these uh, fossil fuels. Environmental spin-offs, positive environmental spin-offs from an AD. Yeah, and this is, I think, is it's where it gets very exciting for the for the farming sector. The farming sector has, at the rate of pace that, that, that climate change is happening and at the rate of pace that farmers have been asked to adapt, it's incredibly challenging. Uh, there's a lot of concern out there, there's a lot of fear out there, and it's completely understandable. These measures, these uh, um, environmental measures are coming at them at an awful pace and some of them are very hard to adapt to. So that it's important that we we look at what we can do and that's always the saying I, I, I think in relation to the agricultural sector, we always have to focus on what we can do instead of what we can't do. This is something that we can do and I mentioned then there the AD plant in terms of the estimated uh, uh, tonnage of, uh, in terms of reduction of emissions, about a million tonnes over a 10-year period. You can imagine if AD plants are dotted right around the country, that you could scale up that. And it's very important. Agriculture has um, a, a carbon budget and it has an emissions ceiling that it has to adhere to. I would love to see any savings from this to be attributed to the, to the agricultural sector. But there's more. The, the um, manure, um, obviously, which is brought into the plant, so you take your, your, your um, regular cow slurry, that's high in emissions in terms of, 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 of methane. Um, when this goes through the process of anaerobic digestion, what actually comes out the end, other end is a much lower emitting in terms of emissions, um, organic fertilizer, which can be spread on the land. So there's also savings from, from, from that point of view. And then there's just very simple, this, this circular economy. If the, the other, um, uh, some of the other inputs into our ADs are, for example, waste grain from distilleries or uh, pig manure or even manure from chicken houses. Uh, you know, that always has to be disposed of somewhere, and that's a big challenge environmentally. But here you have this excellent solution where you, 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 you use this, you put it into an anaerobic digester, and you actually get a renewable energy out of it. And I just think it, it really ticks all the boxes. It's a no-brainer. Again, it has to be done cautious. We have to ensure that it doesn't displace any of our traditional farming practices. But I think that that can be built into any strategy that we have. 
you point out it can be used in transport. That's a fascinating, intriguing uh, question. Use in transport, how can that be engineered? Very simply, uh, that biogas that um, is, is one of the byproducts of anaerobic digestion can be used to, to, to fuel um, uh, combustion engines. I mean, there would have to be slight adaptations to, to the engines in question. Um, already, we're seeing um, a lot of uh, haulage transport and their fleet is powered by uh, this, uh, this gas. So, you know, it takes a bit of amendment, it takes a bit of adapting in terms of the, the actual vehicle, but it can be used. I mean, uh, the, the, it would be more expensive than your regular um, uh, diesel or petrol that you get at your station. But I think as you build up a, a, a critical mass of, of this biogas, then it becomes more uh, efficient. So, you know, there's a lot of, um, when we talk about saving emissions, John, um, you know, we're, we're a long, long, long way away from uh, electric tractors or electric trucks or, or you know, um, it, m- many of the electric vehicles nowadays, they're not going to pull um, a, a trailer load of cattle, for example. So we have to think of other ways that we can uh, reduce emissions in terms of, of transport. And, and I think this is a, a key way, as well as, as HVO, hydro-treated hydro vegetable oil, which is another technology that we need to talk about. But I think that's something for a, a, a discussion for a different day. How soon can we expect to see the next stage? It's called the Anaerobic Digestion Strategy, National Strategy Bill 2023. Um, I'm glad to say it's... It, it, Every piece of legislation that we bring into the Oireachtas has five stages. So it's, this was first stage, the introduction, and I'm glad to say it's passed the second stage on the polls. Now, because this is a private member's bill, and even though I'm a government TD, a government backbencher, um, if this was to actually happen, the, the bill would actually have to come from, from the minister and the process start again. But the fact that it's gone unopposed, it, it is an indication that there's a willingness there now to explore this, to develop a strategy. We recently had a similar situation where there was a, a private member's bill uh, for a, a national hydro, green hydrogen strategy. And now we do have, a, six months later, a green hydrogen strategy. So I hope to see a similar timeline here uh, in, in, in that it's, it's built in. And, and you talk about the concern of farmers. One of the, the key points of my bill is that in developing a strategy, the minister would have to consult with the uh, relevant stakeholders. And that includes the IFA, the ICMSA, uh, Mark and Pharma, uh, Cray, who are who are the representative body of these uh, biogas and these anaerobic digesters. So there have to be an element of, of um, consultation. This can't happen with no consultation. Farmers in particular would have to have an input here. Linked to that might be the 250 versus 220 kg nitrates uh, derogation. Is there still hope that those farmers with the 250 kg derogation will retain that somehow? Yeah, and, and I really appreciate the, the opportunity to comment on this. Again, because West Cork is so uh, heavily reliant on, on dairy and because we have these incredible success stories like, like Carberry, um, it's, it's such an important industry down here. And what's transpired over the last number of months is, is, is devastating. It's devastating for a lot of farmers, particularly those farmers who now find themselves within the 220 uh, kg limit. Um, my position has always been from the start. I, I want it, uh, and uh, I, I would have fought for the retention of the 250 kg right across the, the, the county. That hasn't happened. That hasn't happened, unfortunately. And um, I think when we go back to, to, to Europe, and we will have to go back to Europe, to make a case to keep those area within the 250 at 250, um, or at the very, very least, and this is important, to, to keep that 220 and not go back to 170, which would be an absolute disaster for our dairy sector. Uh, I think we have to listen to the science. We have to listen to the science and the research being done by Chagusk uh, in places like the Timberley catchment area. 
and, and there was a great opportunity a couple of weekends ago. Uh, I invited down the uh, Minister for Agriculture as well as Tanishta Michal Martin. Uh, also, on uh, this was also an invite from uh, IFA and the ICMSA, I must add, where we met down in the catchment area. And I think uh, the the Tanishta in particular was was uh, blown away by the science and the research that's been done there. Uh, and one of the key, I, I think, points of that research, and we got to talk from Eddie Burgess, who was fantastic, is that. You know, there's so much naturally occurring nitrogen in the soil that no matter how many cows you took off the land, uh, it wouldn't necessarily mean an improvement in terms of re- reducing the amount of uh, nitrates that get into our water system. And I think that's key. And one of the key findings that he, that he in, in his research ha- has established is that it's far less to do with the number of animals. It's far more to do with how you manage your slurry spreading and also soil management. So, for example, one of the things that he felt was most detrimental was the spreading of slurry during winter months, that because the, the crop or the grass isn't growing, that it's not taking up the nitrogen. And it makes complete sense. And also the management of your peas and caves is really important. So I think we we have to have the likes of Eddie Burgess on our team if we're going back over to the commission to, to, to fight this, to fight to keep those within the 215, 250. And at the very least, to keep all areas in 220 because... Um, you will see that, that that this reduction in cow numbers that inevitably, unfortunately, many of those within 220 are going to have to do, it's going to achieve little or absolutely nothing in terms of uh, improving water quality. There's, there's measures and there's practices out there that would be far more effective, and that's what we should be focusing on. And I think when people point to Holland, what's happened in the Netherlands, where farms have been bought up and uh, farming in some areas is virtually prohibited. I think we're a totally different situation. We have been grazing cattle in open fields instead of having feedlots and uh, factory farming in general. So I think we could stand a very good chance if a fair-minded person were to look at farming in Ireland, how we carry on the dairy industry, as opposed to some other European countries. Yeah, and and that's I suppose the reason why we did have the 250 uh, kg in the first place. It's why we've we've had more favourable nitrates than other countries, and why we're one of the last countries to hang on to that because we do have this climate that allows us to to grow grass and and, and to um, have cattle feeding outside for for most of the year, and that's 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 really important. But I think a vital piece of this cog is that the commission. The commissioner, the, the the environmental commissioner, comes over to Ireland and sees this for himself because I feel like there's a lack of awareness of how our model works over here, how sustainable it actually is, and and there's a great awareness in terms of the products that we produce. I mean, it is world famous. There's no doubt about that. But they need to come here and see on the ground how it works practically. And um, unless that happens, then then the, the the fight to keep that 250 in in the areas where this 250 is is very difficult. So. Um, there was obviously awareness there when this uh, nitrates derogation was introduced in the first place and where we got that favourable derogation. That awareness now is going to have to be uh, really hit home over the next um, a couple of years. I think there's general cross-party support for the retention of the 250 kg amongst uh, Cork politicians of all shades of political opinion. Cork and, and, and Tipperary and those areas where, where dairy is, is uh, so important. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's certainly been my position to keep that 250 and, we, and we've fought to keep the 250 and unfortunately we've had a situation over the last couple of months where some of the counties gone down to 220 and, and I, I mean that it has been a devastating blow and it's been tough and I've been speaking to farmers who, who are concerned and my, my heart goes out as well to especially those, those smaller farmers the, the one person operations, one man operations where they're milking maybe 60 to 70 cows and they're in that 220 and they may have to get rid of, of 10 or 15 cows and the whole viability of their farm now comes into question 
Um, so as government, we have to step up to the mark here. We have to support them. Uh, I would be in favour of some type of support package to get them through this tough period. We also have the issue that that's uh, come to light um, very much over the last couple of months in terms of animal welfare and the fact that you, as we speak, have um, thousands of calves right across the country being uh, being born, and many of those are within those new uh, derogation areas of 220. And, you know, they're not being sold at the mart. They can't be sold at the mart. Um, there is no market for them, so it's it's a difficult one. And, and what what one of the points that we made uh, down into Malik inside in Staunton's uh, Foods when we when we had the Tonish and the Minister for Agriculture is that what's really important here and a, and, and a priority is that we have some type of a lead in time, a lead in time so that these calves can work their way through the system, so that we can have uh, an option for these calves and that we don't have uh, you know widespread slaughter, which which. Um, you know, it isn't acceptable, and we, we need to listen to farmers there. They're looking for a lead in time. This January date is just too soon. You know, we're looking for a number of months, maybe six months, to allow this to play itself out, and, and, and that would certainly reduce the impact on the low farmers to adapt, and that's very important. Christopher, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association ICSA Beef Chair, Ms. Devon Graham, has called on the meat factories and board beer to explain how a one euro kg differential has arisen between British and Irish prime cattle. Yes, thank you for having me on. The prices in the UK seem to have got very strong over this last few months, and at the same time, Irish prices are in the doldrums, to say the least. Uh, we would have been uh, facing prices of 5 25 30 a kilo back um, early summer, and now we're at prices of around 450 of an average price, 4.55. And um, English prices have got stronger, so it's left a, a bigger differentiation. Um, and we in the ICSA are questioning why this is happening, why there should be a euro of a kilo of a difference in the price of Irish beef and UK beef. We know the UK market is quite strong, and we also know the continental markets are strong as well. Um, and why we should be taking such a bad price for our beef, I don't know. Um, and we would ask that this new regulator, when he's appointed, would look into all these things. Farmers, I suppose, over those last few months, like we've had a very high cost um, system of farming there with high fuel prices, high fertilizer prices. Um, and a whole lot of other things um, all have risen in cost but yet in all beef is down and uh, farmers aren't able to make a sustainable living uh, from the systems they're at now so that's why we're questioning um, about the price of beef And as I understand it I think what you're saying Edmund is despite the lack of prospects at the moment in the USA market or in China or in Japan or other Asian markets nonetheless on the European continent, there could be higher prices being offered for beef and we might better the price we get from the UK where we're selling for one euro per kg lower than the UK native producers. We are price takers, but very glad in a way the UK is actually there. Yes, indeed. I think that's 100% right. Um, as you said, the Chinese market hasn't really developed. It was hopeful that it was going to open up into a good market. It hasn't really developed. Uh, we're not getting beef into America either. Um, but at the same time, we're lucky the UK market is a big buyer of our beef and they're very important to us. Uh, production in the UK is actually falling, as in the rest of the EU. So I think production across Europe is down something like 2% this year. 
Um, so that's a lot of beef right across Europe, but yet and all we've been asked to take uh, smaller prices for our produce uh, whenever supplies are getting tighter. Like, and how is this happening? Um, or is it just the Irish factories that have gained control of the beef price and are capitalising on uh, us farmers? And the one euro a kg differential between Irish and UK beef prices, how much would a farmer lose potentially on an average animal? I've never ever in my lifetime heard of such a big differentiation. And I suppose a euro maybe doesn't seem much. We're talking about a euro a kilo here. The average animal, uh, maybe carcass, is 350, 400 kilos. So you're looking maybe 400 euros of a of an animal that's going uh, off the farm compared to English prices. And uh, like that's a serious, serious um, uh, differentiation. And, uh, you know, we're not simply just not getting enough for our farm produce. And we need to get more. It's going to put farmers out of business at the end of the day if uh, we can't cover our costs. At the end of the day, we've been asked to do more and more, and we're expected to take less and less for doing more and more. Um, But at the same time, you know, farmers do feel there's an obligation there to help out in climate change measures and um, make changes. Um, You know, we don't want to be found wanting. Um, Every other sector is going to have to make changes, and I suppose... Um, farmers are going to have to make changes too but as I say we can't do it and keep doing it and be expected to take less and less for our produce so that's where the problem lies Uh, we have to get a sustainable price uh, for our produce and that is most most important uh, to have that Of course some people will say with the large volume of Irish beef going to Britain we are holding on to our market despite Brexit etc but do you feel we could, through live exports to North Africa or the European continent, um, get a better deal, bearing in mind the political instability in the African region and Middle East, etc., at the moment? Your thoughts on live exports? Yeah, well, at the minute, just when you mentioned live exports, like it is quite good at the minute, the live export trade for a different class of an animal, like a smaller animal, but it goes to prove that when that trade is good, that there is demand for livestock in other countries, and there must be a demand for beef. Um, so uh, I would say there is countries. Um, there's lots that Bordea could do, along with the Department of Agriculture, um, certific- certification and uh, different standards and things like that have to be trashed out. But... Yes, there is a lot of countries, um, I suppose, to name some would be the North African countries and uh, maybe the Middle East countries. Um, You know, potentially there is a market there for beef. Um, So uh, maybe that can be explored and maybe something can be done there to, to get more markets. And things like this need to be explored and we need answers. Um, Why it's happening? and um, should it be allowed to be happening that we should be discounting our our beef products uh, so that somebody else can make a huge financial gain on them. Um, So, yes, we will be writing to the financial regulator. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Edmund Graham, National Chairman of the Irish Cattle and Chief Farmers Association Beef Committee. Thank you, Edmund, very much indeed. Thank you. 
And that's our Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to everyone who contributed to this week's Farm Talk programme. A very special thank you to 96FM and C103 News reporter, Miss Mary Tuig, for creating a new Farm Talk podcast every week. The Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, 7am to 8am, Saturday mornings, and 10pm to 11pm on Wednesday evenings. And also current and historic podcasts on the C103 homepage. Thanks for tuning in. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.